if I could be overly general, last week the focus primarily was on the building of the Mishkan. So this week the focus moves much more towards the Kohanim, and especially here in the part that we're going to discuss, the, the clothing of the Kohanim, or the big day Kohuna. So here we find this formal declaration that Moshe is told to bring Aaron and his children to Hakrev Elecha, bring them to you in order in order to become Kohanim for me. Aaron, Nadav, Aviu, Elazar, Vitamar, Bnei Aaron. And if we were learning Parsha Pinchas, then we would be intrigued about you know Pinchas' ex- inclusion or exclusion. Vasita, and what you should do is to make bigde kodesh la'aron achicha l'chavod ulatifarit. And you should make, I do want to break down those words a little bit. Bigde kodesh, most e- the easiest way to translate that would be holy clothing for your brother Aaron l'chavod for honor ulatifarit. Yeah, that's not working, is that? Vasita big day kodesh the aronachicha lechavod ulatafarit that you're going to make holy clothing. I guess that's the best way to translate it for your brother Aaron lechavod for honor ulatafarit or ulatafarit. That is again. For, I'll use the word glory right now. Beauty one could use, but we'll 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 say it like that. And then we're going to take all of the wise people who have within them the spirit of wisdom. And there, when it says that Moshe is going to make the clothing, so Moshe is told now, as good leaders need to know how to do, and that is to delegate and to find the people who are, the spirit is within them and they know how to do this in order to make these, again, the big day Aharon. So the word, the word Beged was used multiple times over here. The next time is in Pasuk Talad. And these are the types of clothing, Asher Yasu, and then it breaks it down to all of the following things. Choshen, ve'efod, u'me'il, v'ketonet, tashbeitz, mitznefet, v'avnet. And then again, it, it concludes using the same word, v'asu, v'gdei kodesh, l'aronachicha, l'vanav, l'chanoli. And now, the, the truth is, is that there is some repetition over here. All of this could have been written in a more succinct way, Nonetheless, what we understand is, in a general term, it was the introduction and then the conclusion that there need to be made these these clothing for the the kohanim, and then it's broken down to all of these specific things which were made. Reading the rest of the of the section goes in and tells us a little bit more detail about what each of these things are. Although we're not told in the Torah why or what exactly is the need for each one of these things. One who actually you know, studies this, uh, this section properly, or, and together with some other places, and looks at the Mishnayot, and maybe specifically the place to learn some of this would be on the mission of Yoma. There's certain clothing for the Kohen, and there's certain clothing for the Kohen Gadol. There's certain clothing the Kohen Gadol wears outside, and there's certain clothing that the Kohen Gadol wears inside, the, the Holy of Holies. The, the, the only other thing you need to know is that every single time the Kohen Gadol switches the clothing, he also needs to go to the mikvah. So that then explains the various times that he keeps saying that he goes and, and he, that he immerses and it comes out and so on. So essentially, each time clothing is, is changed, it needs some kind of, a, a, of almost like a holy preparation in order to change the clothing. 
So I do want to pause for a second and, and just to give a little bit of reflection regarding the concept of clothing, even though that may sound very funny. Clothing is, is something, and you know what, I'll even say it a little bit stronger. If we look at clothing from the, from the safer Beresha perspective, and I'm not going to be all-inclusive, we start off in the very beginning, we start off in the very beginning with uh, an, an unfortunate description where we're told that, that Adam and Eve, initially in the Garden of Eden, were, were naked, a rumim, even though immediately before that we're told that the serpent was a rome more than all the other animals. And that seems to be a really interesting juxtaposition of being sly or clever on the one hand and on the other hand being naked. So you have the, the, this duality which is being presented, but of course it's only after they partake from the tree of knowledge and good and evil where the realization comes upon them that they are in fact a rumim. The yedu, the word yedu, of course, connected to the tree of knowledge, it's adat tovara. The yedu shneim, sorry, v'tuva eneshneim, the yedu ke erumim heim. Vidpru alei teina v'asulahem chagorot. So that that first introduction of clothing is really the most minimalistic, and its purpose is not like clothing is going to be in many other instances moving forward. This is clothing to prevent nakedness. There's a very big difference of, uh, you know, somebody you said you had a, a wedding yesterday of a grandson. So you may, have, you may have given a little bit of thought beforehand, what are you going to wear? And it's just not, you know, I don't think either of you say, well, let's just like pull out the, whole, the old uh, I mean, what else, do you, what else does one possibly need before one goes in? Because in, again, an aleteina is the bare minimal to prevent nakedness, but it's not really clothing. And it's, it's actually quite touching when you get to the end of the section when even though man is estranged from God and even though man is going to be expelled from the Garden of Eden, he makes for them leather clothing and uh, then then they are clothed. But it's, there are those words that I think need to be paid attention. They make for themselves chagurot, which I would say it's more like belts or more like a loincloth or something like that. But when it comes to what God does, God makes ktonet or leather ktonot vayal bishem. And the word vayal bishem is really also interesting. There are those who claim that vayal bishem means, or levush means, lo busha. So a person should not be embarrassed. Lo malbush, levush is lo bushas to take away embarrassment, which, of course, is interesting because what they had done already, this minimal clothing that they put on was to take away embarrassment, but God understands that that's really quite flimsy and that's not going to do them all that well. And, uh, and wearing something which is more sturdy, made of ore, part of uh, the thinking goes, there's this uh, wonderful midrash that the clothing that they put on was actually snakeskin. That the snake had uh, had shed its skin, so they were wearing snakeskin over there, some kind of temporary victory over the serpent. But but as I said, it is quite interesting to have this schmote perspective of clothing, whereby we're going to make the whole clothing holy. Although we, to, to be honest, the Garden of Eden is a place where there's holiness, but there it requires, yeah. 
there, there there's no quite the opposite there's no there's no expectation of any types of big day kuhuna and I'll add one more thing and this is something we've reflected on in the past that when Adam and Eve leave then the Kruvim are set by the gate my suspicion is the Kruvim take the Kruvim who look very innocent and according to the Zohar implied by Rashi or male and female so it sounds very much like the Kruvim now take the place of that innocent Adam and Eve who were left behind but of course now we, we're, we're no longer in a world of innocence we're in a world where innocence has been has been lost and o- over here for the coin to go in, you need all types of clothing. Yeah. So, uh, what's the, the big day kodesh, or lechavod, or lechavod. Like, yeah, you were getting there. We're okay. getting there. Don't worry. Don't worry. You think I, you think I was, I was going to miss that? I didn't think so. In a sense. So we certainly could not miss that. And, and always just check if I would miss it. You just look at the next source. And you see if the word begged there is uh, is bolded, and you do see that. Anyway, but I do want to you know restate this: clothing. Uh, I, I can't even imagine the the industry about how much money is involved in the industry involved uh, clothing. And you can have all kinds of sayings about clothing. You know, creates who a person is. Clothes clothes makes the man. I would assume clothing even makes the woman. Clothing is something which can identify who a person is but clothing also could do the opposite, and that is it can perpetuate a lie because a person could dress up as something which they're really not to present themselves in a particular kind of way. So, so clothing itself seems to be this double-edged sword. So I'll say it again. It's interesting that uh, you know, when you do compare, and, and I do think it's very fair without going into any kind of depth now, I think it's very fair to compare Gan Eden, especially with the Kruvim, you know, um, protecting, with the Mishkan, which also have, of course, the Kruvim, and here the clothing is part of the sin and trying to fix the sin, and over here the clothing is for the Kohen, but then you have to start thinking again, to what extent is sin generally going to be part of what the Mishkan is, or fixing sin, and so on, but the particulars of the sin over here, it's the lolubu, it's this Lavush to to remove embarrassment, while over here it's the chavod lutaferet, in order to try to create honor, beauty, and so on, it seems to be very, very different approaches. So, you, you correctly pointed out, and now the question is, is where to see it, I, I think that this is the best place to see it. In, in the beginning of Mishpatim, it talked about the Eved Ivri, and then moving from the Eved Ivri, it moves to the, to the Shifcha. So, the Shifcha, this is a, this is a Jewish girl, there's a Jewish girl who apparently the, the parents can't afford all kinds of things. And I'll put it this way. They quote-unquote sell her to another Jewish family. Now, the, really the question is for what purpose? Is this just a question of slavery or is there something else going on over here? So o- over here, there, and I want to read the words. V'chim kor, in source three, right? Perikafalov. V'chim kor ishet bitola ama. He sells his order to be an ama. It's not the same as the servants. Now the word ya'ada, the word yi'ud, is a very interesting and important word, which means if, if it doesn't work out in the eyes of the person that she was destined to be with, the ba is in his betrayal of her. Now, I'll just tell you that there's an argument in the Gemara, which I think is very insightful. They're supposed to get married. Or perhaps, 
Yadena, or perhaps he, she's supposed to marry his son. But no, Yasela, she should be treated like any other wife. The argument of the Gemara is, if, he, if she does in fact marry either the father or the son, do they then give her, I'm going to use our language, give her a ring to get married? Or was the original money that was paid, is that the wedding money so or, or, or the ring? So the, that's Machloket. I believe, if my memory serves me correct, Rabbi Yehuda was of the opinion that that original money was the wedding, was the wedding ring, as it were. And therefore, here's this process of becoming a bride. Of course, there's something which is really interesting in terms of the social fabric, whereby somebody who's destitute then is able to marry into a family who's very wealthy, because we all know that for most of history, the poor people stay with the poor people, and the rich people stay with the rich people, and how often are you going to have this shift in terms of population, in terms of economics. So this is very interesting, is that if these people are destitute, so now she can marry into a wealthy family. So you say, what are you talking about? Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And that original money was the, was the ring for the wedding. Now, what if he doesn't marry her? So therefore, is a really interesting phrase used, bivigdo ba, which means the, the, there was a bigida over here. Now, generally, the word bigida would be used in terms of, let's say, a, a husband and a wife, where there's a marriage which is compromised, where there was some kind of a betrayal which has taken place, an affair, a betrayal. That, that would be bigida. So over here, not marrying this girl, who she understands the social implications of, of what's going on. So there she's towards marriage. And he said, listen, I really, you know, she's been in the house. So I don't want her. So there is a bigida over here. Now, there were lots of different places we could have done this next source. We could have read a Gemara. We could have read a Gemara with Rashi. We could have read some other places. I just like the way it's presented here in Source 4 by the Moshe of Skenim. This is one of the Baliatosot. And he writes, Rabbi Lezer Omer Begid Mamash. He says, no, we're talking about clothing over here. So it's very interesting in terms of the connection between the word clothing and the word betrayal. Just stay with me. That once he put the 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 talit on top, that's a chuppah. That's what we would call a chuppah. And, and by the way, that really is the case and among the the baliatos vote. The chuppah that they did really was with a talit. I know sometimes people today say, "Hold it, where did Ashkenazim come with this minhag to put a talit on during the chuppah?" The answer is that it went all the way back to the Rishonim. That's the way that the chuppah was. It was a talit because the custom is more so. I don't know with with uh, chalabim in terms of a, a, a talit. And, and, right, yeah, right, with, with, with a talit, and that is very. Yes, yes. And that is very much a, a Sephardic custom. So when Ashkenazim do it, people say, oh, why, why Ashkenazim found the Sephardim? So I'm going to say it again. This is not just like a side point over here by Tosfot that spread the talit on top was the chuppah which they used back back in those days. So over here, again, once the talit was spread, which means there is this understanding of that a wedding is taking place, by the way. Furthermore, for Ashkenazim, they didn't generally wear talitot before the wedding, that acquiring a talit was also part of being married, because there is some kind of a limud about that as well. Not in the Gemara, but, uh, but by later authorities. So anyway, once the, let's read it again then. Once he spread the talit on top of her, and it's learned from 
And this is learned that she, when she grabbed the clothing regarding Yosef. Now, poor Yosef. How did Yosef just now get dragged into, uh, in, into, into all of this? So, so, so slow down and wait a second. We will return to Yosef. And this is the important part. This is what we could have learned from the Gemara directly, but it's a little easier here. Rabbi Kiva Sover, Lashon Bigida, Rabbi Akiva understands that it's big, that the, the Begid and the Bigida. I just want to read one more thing. If he put it here. So he understands both connotations going together that Beged and Bigida are interrelated terms, that they really mean the same thing, even though you can have Beged separately and Bigida separately, but there is this, again, interesting, not just correlation, interconnection between these two different terms. So, so that's what I want you to understand over here, that this idea of begid and begida and betrayal and clothing, meaning clothing is something also that can indicate this betrayal. The next source that I'm going to bring is also one that I could have brought from multiple places. I just like the way the reverse said it. He's not the first, he's not the only, it's not unique, but he says it nicely, at least whoever translated this into Hebrew says it very nicely. So Rav Hirsch says, and, and by the way, the Hebrew translation is much better than the English translation, but, uh, but, but the, the, the English doesn't capture it as much as the, the Hebrew does. Ki tamal, timal ma'al. So over here it's talking about something which we normally call mi'ilah. Mi'ilah is taking something which is holy and using it for other purposes, a, a, a misappropriation. Ma'al karov lemi'il. So he points out that the word ma'al, mi'ilah, to misappropriate, is, is not that different from the word mi'il, which sometimes means coat. Uke'inze, bagad, karov lebeged. And one also then can note that the word betrayal can also be connected to the word beged, to clothing. Mitgalek kan mahalach ha-machshavot ha-harmoni, she'etzar et shoshea lashon ivrit. He says this indicates something fascinating about the harmonious core which forms the strata of the Hebrew language, beged hu levush ha'adam. And now, of course, we're a little more sensitive to the word levush also. Beged hu levush ha'adam. <clears throat> Clothing is what clothes an individual. It's a very unfortunate translation in English on my part. Begida hi hafarat emunim be'inyanim enoshim klalim. Begida betrayal is when humans act in a way where they break their their, their word, as it were, there's a loss of faith. But what he's really getting to in terms of bigida is that bigida is a term which is going to be used in an interpersonal level. Mi'il, hulavusha kohen gadol. Mi'il is the clothing of the kohen gadol. Mi'ila, hi hafarat emunim And mi'ila, the misappropriation of something which is holy, is uh, applies to holiness. So essentially, the way that he delineated the difference over here is, yes, there is a me'il and there is a beged, but there's also me'ila and there is also begida. And he understands begida as something which is interpersonal, while he understands that me'ila is something which is between, between man and God. 
Uh, by the way, what he's going to tell us very soon is that the word mi'ilah is used when something holy is misused. Mi'ilah is also going to be used when a man sleeps with a married woman. But there's kedusha over there. So therefore, to misappropriate something which is holy is going to be called mi'ilah as well. And that's part of what's interesting. Let's continue. Nira'ifo shehaboged beged. The person who's guilty of betrayal, he, in a sense, behaves like a beged. Like clothing, now, that that may sound strange. Vahamoel, somebody who does meila osema asem meil. He does something like a meil does. Bigdo adam hu siman laofiav. Clothing of a person is indication of one's character, which means many of us will judge people, right or wrong, when we see the way that a person is presented in terms of their of their dress. Bigdo adam hu siman laofiav. But if what I present and what I end up being have a lack of consistency, then it turns out that the bigadim behaved, you know, in a sense of bigida, and therefore there's betrayal over here. On the outside, I look like a particular type of person. But the clothing is only a mask. And also when we have the word There are those who could have looked at this and thought that the spirit of the Kohen is what beats within. But rather what I did is that I presented myself with a mask of Kohenim. Which again is that dual usage of meila in terms of a marriage which has kedusha, where there is betrayal, and also and, and that, that the term meila is used there because there's a holy aspect to it, and also when Am Yisrael act in that way towards towards God. So I'll say it again. It really is interesting. And, and, and again, he's not the first one to notice Bigidah and Mila and Lavush and, and, and so on. And, and, and that these terms have just this interesting duality to them. But I just think he said it in a very nice way. In source number six, we, if you insisted, we move over to Yosef. <laughs> And it came about that after a while, by the way, the, pre- the previous verse was how good-looking Yosef was, and she says that she would want him to sleep with him. Mm-hmm. And he refuses. There would be some kind of a betrayal over here because I've been entrusted by the master of the house with so much authority. And there, nobody here has more authority than I do, and he's entrusted me with everything except for, obviously, you, because you're his wife. And how can I do something which would be such a betrayal? And then he ends in as well, and on top of all of that, well, that would be a sin against God, which goes back to the Mi'ilah aspect of it. But, he, but whether that spoke to her or not, Egypt was not the most moral place. Right? Don't go into that now. And as she kept on pressing the issue day after day, 
and he did not listen to her, to lie with her, to be with her, and one particular day he came in the house to do his work. Now, among the rabbis, unfortunately, they, I mean, they pick on Yosef. There's no reason to pick on Yosef. I mean, the, the verse really sounds quite innocent. He goes in, you know, to do whatever work he has to do, and they pick on him and, as if to say, well, did you know there was a woman in the house? Did you know that she was interested in you? Why do you put yourself in this position at all? Which means you should have been a lot smarter. And by the way, there is a lot to be taken from that about how we need to be smart. And then the problem very often is not the thing that somebody did, but they put themselves in a position beforehand. Stay away from putting yourself in that position. And as I said, they blame Yosef for this. They, yeah, they blame Yosef for this, but, but, but it's, it, it's almost like it's not fair that they're blaming. And, but, but some say he goes in the Sot Malachto, is a euphemism. He goes in and he wants to really be with her. Which is, again, all the reason that he shouldn't have gone in, but he does go in. And she grabs him by, and over here, it's the one we then begin to wonder. And that's what we saw before in terms of Rabbi Kiev, in terms of the dual usage of Begid. Did she grab him by his clothing, or did she grab him by his betrayal? Was there a betrayal by him walking into the house in the first place? Was there a betrayal by walking in and putting himself in a position with this woman who was obviously interested in him? Or for that matter, did he go in with actually the intention of being with her, which is the way that some of the rabbis read it? Don't shake your head. It's machlok at Rav and Shmuel. You can say you like Rav or you don't like Rav. You like Shmuel, you don't like Shmuel. But it's important to understand that there are two ways that they read this. As I said, I'm very sympathetic to one of the ways, but it's interesting that once you realize there's another way of reading it, then the word big doe becomes something else. Because the innocent way of saying he just went in and didn't expect anything, and then she grabs him by his clothing. So that's the way that we were taught it in school. On the other hand, if you say that he actually did have other intentions when he walked in, then she grabs him by his betrayal. And that's why the big doe then the big doe then becomes connected to the bigida. But he leaves the bigida or the beged behind. Again, you can now decide which one it was. And he runs out. And then she starts and she creates her own narrative as to what it was that had uh, taken place. I will point out, and then we'll, we're going to give you equal time to speak as long as you want. We, 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 I'm kidding about that. We, 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 we will, we, we, one second. We will, we will, we will, quite, quite, quite. We will note soon that when the Gemara speaks about this, it actually somehow remarkably connects this whole scene with the Kohen Gadol. So how it does that, so give me a second, because that's going to take us back to where we began. So I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. Yosef is a young man. Other young men and older men, very old men, make mistakes. Yosef actually walks out of this situation really quite heroic. He gives the speech beforehand, he runs out, and he's going to suffer greatly because of his decision that he makes. And it's so fascinating that nonetheless they find reason to blame him. And even when, you know, I, I don't want to go into this again, but, but you know, there's this hishtadlot that he sees the Saramashkim, okay, you know, remember me, don't forget me. Oh, he gets an extra two years because he, like, what, do you want, what did you want from him? Like, like, what are you supposed to do? And, and I've said this before. It's like, it's, like, it's like the joke when somebody prays to God and said, you know, he, he sent, you know, the helicopter and said this and so on. And, 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 and you know, what did you want from Yosef? So Yosef gets on, Yosef gets on, I do. 
I do, but not now. I do. It's it's the only time. I'll tell, no, I'll tell you what, David. I'll tell you exactly what it is. If you look at all of Yosef's times that he speaks in in, in all of yeah. Bereshit, it's the only time he sounds like a victim. Uh, so the, the, there's this victimhood to him, and and, and and that's what Chazal don't like him as a victim. That's it's that victim, and every other time this is God's plan. This is what, which means Yosef always speaks of God, and that one time he speaks as a victim. I think that's what set Chazal off and saying, "No, you're not. You're not a victim. You're you're part. Of, you're part of a much larger plan." The Gemara in source number seven is going to tell us go back to where we began about the big day kahuna, and is going to tell us how each one of these things, these elements about the big day kahuna, each one brings about for lack of a better word, we'll say kapara. Which means it's not just the korban that the kohen or the kohen gadol is going to bring. It's not just the avodah. It's the clothing itself brings about. So just quickly, we'll look. I'm a rabbi, anani, rabbi sason, lamanis machar parashat bigdei kunah, parashat korbanot, lomad lachamah, korbanot machaprim, af bigdei kunah mechaprim. Just like the korbanot bring about kapara, so do the clothing themselves. Ketonet mechaperet al-shvichut damim. And why? Guess what? We just got right back to Yosef again, right? We just got back to Yosef. Of course it does. So they, they took it slow. It's and now part of the thing that the Gemara is gonna that the Gemara is going to you know find difficult with all of this is hold it. We didn't realize that Avodah we get kapara. We didn't realize that when it comes to some of these other sins that there is kapara, and that's going to be part of the of the discussion moving on. But we're going to we're going to stop. There's one other dramatic. There's one more dramatic place where the Gemara is going to be speaking about where the Torah is going to be speaking about clothing again in Bereshit specifically where it may actually be one of the most dramatic scenes of Bereshit when it comes down to what are what are dramatic scenes you have you have the, the you have you have the Egel sorry you have the you have the Akedah as being a dramatic scene you have Mechirat Yosef as being a dramatic scene and the one and Yosef revealing himself as being a dramatic scene, but you also have one other, and that is when Yaakov goes in and dresses up as Esav, and that's the, and that for us today actually is the most important one. And the reason why it's most important is because we've talked about this duality in terms of clothing. That sometimes clothing reveals who you are, and sometimes clothing is going to cover up who you are. And th- there's probably no better place than than this place in order to. Uh, to understand that that duality. So again in source number eight, Vatikah Rivka et Bigde Isav. So I hope you appreciate Yaakov complained, but we don't we don't look alike, we don't feel alike, we're completely different. So I hope you appreciate that the word beged is used in this because what's going to take place is he's going to cover himself up with somebody else's clothing because he's impersonating somebody else. So there is going to be some type of bigida. You can decide if the bigida is towards Yitzchak or the bigida is in ter- is in terms of Esav, but this this isn't glot kosher. Let's put it like this. Or for you, chalak. Vatikach rivka et betrayal. 
את בגדי עשיו בנה הגדול, החמודותו שאיתה בבית, ותלבש, so it's interesting, again, you have that dual usage of לבוש, לא בושה, and בגדים over here, את יעקב בנה הקטן, which, again, I think all of us recognize that there is a betrayal taking place. ואת ארות גדיה העזים הלבישה על ידיו על חלקת צווריו. ויגש יעקב אל יצחק אביו, וימושהו, ויאמר כל כל יעקב ידיין די עשיו. ולא הכירו כי היו ידיו כדי עשיו אחיו שעירות ויברכהו. So I, I want to pause right now and I want to read something. We'll see how much and how far we go. Some of you will appreciate this more, some less. So let me explain what it is and then we'll try to understand. In source number nine, we have from a book which is called Pachad Yitzchak. This, this on the next two pages is what's called Inyan Vav. This is chapter six. I uh, added some footnotes and I added the Nikud. Neither are necessarily perfect, but uh, who is? So I, I want to start, and those who don't know, the Pachad Yitzchak is from Yitzchak Hutner, who was our Shiva of Chaim Berlin, and... He starts off, actually, as a lot of the Purim book does. You know, sometimes there's this absolute distinction between Purim Torah and Torah that you say on Purim. And sometimes there's no distinction <laughs> between the two. And he starts off and he says the following. Bishat Sudat Purim, during the Purim Suda, so now a Purim Suda with Rosh Hashiva could be one where there is uh, a great deal of... Uh, of uh, sod going on. There's a great deal of sod being revealed. One of the people, one of the guests, one of the, it's one of the Tamidim, one of the people who was sitting around the table, asked the following question. The song, Shoshanat Yaakov, has been accepted as one of the things that we sing. Now, I, I want to, you to look for a second at footnote two, just to understand the Shoshanat Yaakov. Shoshanat Yaakov is what very many people sing. Yes, it's also said by some after Megillah. Shoshanat Yaakov, Sahalav is Samecha, Birotam Yachad, Tchelat Mordechai. So there is a lot to explain in that half of a line. It's not what interests me today. It's the next part. It goes and then it says, Cursed be Haman who wanted to wipe me out. And blessed should Mordechai be Mordechai the Jew. So now we say this again after Megillah and people sing this on Purim. So this person sitting at Rav Huntner's table then asks the following question. I'm gonna, we're going to go back and say it again now in the, in the next, second line. And it's very strange. Isn't the whole thing about Purim is 
Isn't it all purpose on Purim is that we have a lack of clarity about Haman being cursed and Mordechai being blessed? So how is it possible that we can say Shoshanat Yaakov, which has a great deal of clarity, Arur Hamana Shavikesh Labdi Baruch Mordechai Hayudi? Isn't that counter to the Adeloyada? So now, which one is it? Is it Andalo Yada, or is it the Shoshanat Yaakov? That was the question that was asked by Rav Huntner's Purim Suda. Andalo Yada means that you cannot distinguish between the two. And over here, Shoshanat Yaakov has a very, very clear distinction between the two. So he says that Andalo Yada and Shoshanat Yaakov are mutually exclusive and are contradictory. So how can you possibly, you know, so which one is it? And we'll, we'll continue and, and read what he says. How could be the very thing which is counter and opposite of Adelo Yada, how can that then serve as the way that one celebrates Purim? Tshuva. The answer is, Aleinu laskir kan, he says, we need to remember something which, he says, I repeat and say it again, and it's part of, uh, it's part of the teachings of this Beit Midrash, and I say it very often, again, Rav Hutner says, When you try to make a distinction between two things, that have a great deal of similarity in terms of the external, then the real difference is revealed as being something within the essence, something which in the internal. The more that you have outer levels, or for our terminology today, outer garments which are covering up and making the two look as similar as possible, then we have to search internally to find the distinctions. And therefore, as we dig, then it becomes more and more revealed. Because the place that we find this more than any other day is Yom Kippur. And I, and I will add one thing about this. There is a certain sense, certainly within Chazal, of when Yaakov goes in lefnei v'lefnim to Yitzchak, and there's a certain sense of Kohen Gadol walking in. He's going, he's going in to his father to receive the bracha, and now the question is, will he be cursed? Or will he be blessed? Like just like every Kohen Gadol, you know, how is this going to work out? But he, but he makes a note that on, on Yom Kippur something really interesting happens. What we have is a real distinction. We have we, we we have a real distinction, and it takes place bahagrala de yom kippurim. Now I, I want you to pay attention that Purim and Yom Kippur, which we know is a certain similarity, but on Yom Kippur the essence of the day is going to take place when you do a hagrala, which is which is the Hebrew word for pur, 
And you do the Haggalah between two things, and one is Lashem and one is Lazazel. I also, I also want you to note the Mishnah, which is in footnote number four. Shnei Si'irei Yom HaKippurim Mitzvatan Shiyushneim Shavim Bimar'eh Uvakoma Uvadamim Ulikichatan Ke'achad that the mitzvah is to take two goats that look as similar as possible. And Rav Hutner will say that when two things, in, in a different essay, when two things are supposed to look as similar as possible, we have a word for that and we call it twins. That they're supposed to be twins. And of course the twins that we're most interested in terms of Bereshit is going to be Yaakov and Esav. And what he's getting to with a lot of this is that Yaakov and Esav are going to be confused, which means, uh, we'll read this inside if you want to, which means, who was the first one who was Mikayim, who fulfilled the obligation of Adlo Yada? And the answer is Yitzchak. When? When he says, when he gets completely confused between the two. And what happens as a result of that confusion? Then all the brachot go to Yaakov, which means then the clarity takes place and Esav ends up essentially really being sent away and the distinction is going to be... Which means what's going to happen in Yom Kippur, Achad Lashem Vachad Lazazel, is already really going to be taking place in front of Yitzchak. But all this is going to happen because of the Bigadim. All this is going to happen because Yaakov puts on the big day Esav. Which means the, 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 the big day... And you know what? Let, let, let's even say all this a little bit differently. There's a custom, which is actually cited in the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah, that there is a custom to dress up on Purim. Can't you imagine that somebody would have said a long time ago, what are you, crazy? You know, all anti-Semitism goes back to that moment that Yaakov dressed up as Esav, and Esav has hated us ever since then. Which is, how in the world can we continue to dress up, especially people who dress up like, you know, various... Uh, enemies along the way. How can you do this? The, 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 all the problems we have are because of this. I mean, what Rehutin is really telling us, it's not all the problems that we have. It's that all the blessing that we have is because of this. Which means, ultimately, sometimes you need there to be two things presented as if they look exactly the same, but that's just the external. And that requires of you then to dig deep and understand what really is the distinction on the inside, because now then you get complete clarity. So let, let's read a, a little bit more now. Let's read. Let's read. Let, let, let's see some of this inside. Meaning. It's almost, how can you even, it's shocking, how can you even say one sentence, one Lashem and one Lazazel? Here, specifically, with the similarity, with all of its power. That's what we saw from the Mishnah. That when the two are chosen, they have to look as much as possible the same. I mean, you would say they're exactly the same. 
when one looks deeper, right? All of this involvement, meaning the external, on the outside, which the, the superficiality leads you to, it takes you to the place which is deep and secret sometimes. Who is really the core of the Seir La Azazel? It was that first person who's connected to Seir, the person who, when he was even born, was very hairy. It's only after you look at the similarity can you understand the difference. And that is the, the, the awesome secret behind the love of Yitzchak for Esav. It's only because of the similarity that Esav had to Yaakov, which is why Yitzchak loves Esav. It's only because there's a similarity on that side as well. They're twins. They're far more alike than we like to believe, but on a superficial level, there's a similarity. And goes, and that's, it's the similarity of Esav to Yaakov is where the love of Yitzchak comes from. Lumatzot, gama havdala yoter tzuhumit, bayoter yisodit, bein nezuchiyotem shel Esav v'yakov, nishtarsha bevet abba. And it all comes down to the blessings. And in order to get to this point where it gets so deep that there's nothing afterwards, there's no depth afterwards, which means eventually we're going to get the point where Yitzchak is going to say something which, again, we don't always know what to do with, and that's the Adeloyada. Meaning, it's at that point, it's Adeloyada, because he has no idea who's in front of him. But at some point, there's going to be this resolution, and the resolution is going to be that this really is Yaakov, and therefore all the brachot are going to end up going to Yaakov. I'm not going to read much more of this now. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving this. So essentially what he's saying is that there's really a two-stage process which takes place. One stage is the stage of confusion in order to get to the point of clarity, which means you have to have the confusion between Baruch Mordechai and Or Haman and Adeloyada like Yitzchak was, but once you compare and everything looks the same, and by the way, that's the clothing. It all looks the same because Yaakov is wearing Esav's clothing. That's all the external. And then that forces you to go inside. And then once you go inside, then you realize the depth of the incense and then Achad Lashem Vachad Lazazel, which means that the poor of Purim 
is actually connected to the to the goral which takes place on uh, Yom Kippur. But as I'm going to say it again, at the core of everything that I just now said, there really was this issue of the the clothing of now you can decide. I don't want to say the clothing of the Kohen because we're not dealing with the Kohen yet. But it's the clothing that it's this clothing that Yaakov takes from Esav, and as I said, if it makes you happy, the clothing of of Adam Rishon, <coughs> which, by the way, clothing of Adam Rishon still represents sin and represent and represents God's love, despite the sin that takes place and this willingness of God to protect us. But nonetheless, what what you see then is that if this really serves as the archetype of entering into a place which is holy, like the Kohen is going to do. Then and where we started this week, okay, maybe we already forgot, you know, how we got to where we are right now. And it seems to be such an important element to be wearing the right types of clothing which are going to bring about Kampara. So now I'm going to say it again. Clothing could do two different things. Clothing can cover up who a person really is, or clothing can reveal who a person is. The process that takes place on Purim, including the continued custom for people, right? It's in source 11. And by the way, people, rabbis don't like the next line. By the way, all the later authorities, they try to nuance. It doesn't really mean that. It means something else. But as I said, the Ramah actually says, and, and you see clearly that, that, that that's what people were doing. It, it really was mitoch simcha. But what I wanted to point out is that if you really think about it, this custom which the Ramah identifies of people dressing up on Purim is not in and of itself some, you know, just, okay, let's just be happy. No. It goes back to the very beginning of the Yaakov and Esav tension, of that moment when Yaakov dresses up as Esav and goes in, and then his father gets to this point of Adeloyada in order to get to this place of clarity that it really is Yaakov, which means there is love for Esav. But what he's claiming, the love for Esav, is again because of this, exter- <coughs> is because of this external similarity. But when things look the same on the outside, you know, if everybody's wearing the same uniform, right? right all the girls in base Yaakov will wear the same uniform, then how do you know which one to marry? That means you actually have to get to know them, right? It's, it, it's like, it, it's, it's uniforms identify who someone is, but also covers up who somebody is which means that all clothing does this duality. All clothing is both something which reveals something about the person, but there's also some type of a betrayal which is taking place. Now the question is, what's the core? Does the core in the inside match with what's presented on the outside? Then, then there's no betrayal which is taking place. But as I said, that, that, yeah, that, that's something which is, which, is more complicated, which is more complicated. But as I said, you know, just again to see the path that we took, is that when we went back to the beginning of Bereshit, we see right there already how clothing is something which is really quite significant and how that clothing is introduced. And again, there is this embarrassment, humiliation, and there is this expulsion that takes place. When we moved over, and yes, there were other places that I skipped. The, the Yosef story with the clothing is fascinating. But, the, but what I skipped before is the Gemara, which was found in number 10. It says that y- Yosef sees the image of his father... But that's not all that it says. That's not all that it says. Let, let, let's take a look. Amor of Chana Barbizna, Amor of Shimon Chasid. Yosef Shekidei Shem Shemayim Beseter, 
Hosifu lov otachad mishmol shel Kaddish Baruch This goes back to how Yosef's name was written on the ephod. That's the, that's, right, that, that, probably. That is the discussion over here in the Gemara, which is, this is a Gemara about the ephod. Yudasha kidei shem shemayim v'farhesya nikra kulo al shmo shel Kaddish Baruch Yosef Mahi Dikhtiva he Kayomazeva Yvobait la Sot Malachto, Omaviochana Melamid, Shishnaim Udvaravin it nit kavnu. So here he gets accused. Yosef is accused that he wanted a sin. She wanted a sin, he wanted a sin. Vyavobaita la Sot Malachto, Rav Vishmuel. Khadamar la Sot Malachto Mamash. He was gonna he had a, he was working that day. Vahadamar la Sot Srachav Nichnas, more of a, of an intimate type of needs that he had. Vain Ishman Shayabayat. That's the teaching that you cited before, that it was a holiday. She said that she doesn't feel well, Amra. She grabs him by his clothing. And it appears, it, it appears in the window. Amarlo, now this is the part that maybe we don't remember. He sees his father, so uh, if my father were here now, he would say, okay, that's a Freudian idea of the superego, and therefore he sees the, the world as it's supposed to be and what he's supposed to do, but, it doesn't, but there's another point that it continues with. It says that he sees his father in the, in the window, Amarlo, and his father speaks to him. By the way, one way of understanding this is that Yosef probably looks a lot more like his father than we think about sometimes. So, so, yeah, so, so, he's, so he's, seeing, he's seeing his own reflection. He's seeing his own reflection. And by the way, all that's assuming something which may or may not be true, that windows in those days actually served as mirrors. I don't know. Omulo Yosef, atidin achecha sheyichtavu al avne efod v'atabinehem. The day is going to come that all of your brothers are going to be written on the ephod of the Kohen Gadol. Do you want your name to be cut out and you're not going to be part of the family? Now, this is such a fascinating comment. Because first of all, what in the world does the Kohen Gadol have to do with this? So now you realize the whole scene of Yosef with the Begin in, in the Big Day Kahuna is so much stronger than you realized before. The second point is, Yosef's been kicked out of the family already. And his father's saying, oh, you want to not be with the family? Yeah, well, the answer is there's kicked out and there's kicked out. Is that Yosef's not with them, but Yosef, who again has his dreams and has his understanding, and uh, all, all of this is part of the process of attaining clarity. That sometimes, just like things look the same and then they're different, sometimes things look different, and, but only afterwards you realize that they're the same. Which means the brothers kick out Yosef because they think he's so different, but afterwards they'll realize he's the same, and then his name is going to be on the ephod as well. Which means these two scenes of Yaakov dressing up as Esav, and they're looking the same in Adelo Yada, so you're able to get the blessings which are going to go over to Yaakov. With Yosef, you find something else taking place, is that the brothers get rid of, of him, but now his father says, okay, do you want this to be permanent? Do you want them to be right? Do you want this really to be correct that you're not part of the family? Or when the Kohen Gadol goes in with the big Gadim, which now will be elevated, that you walk in, which now you realize are somehow connected. They, they, in a certain sense, you know, when we're told that, that some of the clothing serves as a kapara, 
Like, where does the core of the kaparak come? So now you realize that part of Yosef's behavior creates some of that core of the kaparak. So as I said, we have like, all, like two opposite dynamics which are taking place over here, but it all comes down to clothing. It all comes down to the Kohen Gadol. And I, I think it's interesting because in most of our memories, we remember that thing about Yaakov and Yosef appearing, <coughs> appearing to Yosef, but I think we tend to forget the conversation that took place. Do you want to be on the ephod with your brothers or not? And it's when it's Yosef runs out of the room, and that's when he gets the extra letter. Yosef adds a hey. It's, then it becomes the name of God appears, at least partially, in Yosef's name with the extra hey. You, yes, yes, yes. That, that's the way apparently it was written on the, on the ephod. And then the name of God becomes appear, and then Yosef becomes holy, and then Yosef becomes part of the ephod as well, which means this holiness which is extracted from that moment of confusion, and ultimately isn't all sin a moment of confusion. If you want to go all the way back to Adam and Eve from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the confusion of good and evil to get to this point of clarity. So Yosef achieves this clarity, and therefore Yosef becomes part of the of the ephod and he's able to then rejoin the family and create the holiness which the Kohen Gadol is going to enter into the Holy of Holies in, and when he does go into the Holy of Holies he goes in and he takes the blood of the seer La Hashem and, uh, and that, that one is La Hashem as opposed to the one which is thrown out le, le, you know out La Azazel and as, as I said yeah I took the easy way out I took I took some complicated thing in Shemot and I only taught about Bereshit but like what did you expect anyway have a Shabbat Shalom, a Purim Sameach.